What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Very pleased and privileged to be joined by a very special guest today, Mike Silver from Bally Sports, The Volume, the San Francisco Chronicle. You're everywhere, Mike. Rob, you have really good hair, man. I did not really appreciate that until now, looking at you via Zoom. That is that is impressive. Wow. Well, thank you. I, that's the first time I've ever gotten a hair compliment, but I will take it. Maybe maybe we need to change the nickname. Maybe Stats isn't doing you justice. You know, there's a there's some sort of rockabilly type thing <laughs> going on there, and I and I respect it. Here's the problem: it's not going to last. We are in full <laughs> retreat at the top of this head. So the stats nickname, at least I know, can stick around. That's a fair point. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like on social media over the years, uh, people will talk about my hair, my hairline, and I'm always like, dude, I'm so stoked it stayed this long. Like, I'm like, I'm shocked. I'm, you know, I was born in 1965, and I still got something. So to me, it's already a win. Yeah, oh, definitely. Absolutely. And if you don't understand what we mean, you will when you get to where we are. Um, but there's a lot of stuff I want to cover. I did not think we were going to start there. Um, <laughs> I just want to know, what is it like being, and I say this, it's a term of endearment, but the most hated kind of 49ers columnist out there? Well, I would argue there's one, depending on what you call him, who's probably hated more than I am, uh, I would I would venture to guess. But uh yeah, I don't really see it that way. Um, you know, from my perspective, I uh, covered the 49ers as a beat writer for the now defunct Sacramento Union and then for the Santa Rosa Press Democrats starting in 1989. Uh, that was uh, the fourth Super Bowl season in nine years. Montana, Young, you know, Rice, Lott, Craig, uh, Seifert's first year, just craziness and i did grow up uh, my history is i grew up a 49er fan but in la i was born in san francisco so i really i stopped being a fan obviously when i started covering the beat but i i know the history leading up to the greatness very very well and the frustration and what walsh and montana met and meant and debartolo um and so I was a beat writer, then a columnist, and then I went to Sports Illustrated in 1994. I obviously covered them a lot um, nationally between 1994 when I was at SI. Starting in 2007, I was at Yahoo. And then in 2013, I went to NFL Network. So leading all the way up until, uh, you know, present day, I've covered them a lot on a national level. And so I do know a lot. Um, you know, I've done, you know, forget my beat experience and my history with the the franchise. Um, you know, I've known Kyle since he's 15. Uh, there's a couple of SI stories where, you know, there's a Mike Shanahan put us at his hotel suite while I was waiting to talk to him before I think each of the Broncos Super Bowls that he won. And, uh, you know, he left me, Kyle and me together for about an hour one time. And I probably should have been talking football with him, but I was, you know, we were talking about movies and what his high school life was like and all that. And I think it made the story, but um, you know, I, I've, you know, covered John Lynch as a player, uh, you know, I've known Jed York since he took over and um, you know, have gotten to know a lot of the, the coaches and players who were there over the years, just on a national level. So to me, I do, I may know more than, the average fan may appreciate. I probably have better sources than people appreciate. And, um, 
you know, I'm happy to be in a position where I can both report, you know, help Eric Branch and and also weigh in with, you know, alongside giants like Ann Killian, not literal, because she is not literally a giant, but <laughs> giants like Ann Killian and uh and Scott Osler. So yeah, no, I I'm super stoked. I'm into it. And um, you know, I I think they're a great story right now. So that adds to it. I feel like so you start with the chronicle and you come out of the gate with the Trey Lance arm fatigue and the 49ers have doubts about Trey Lance and, and the, and I know this because they descend on me a lot also. Yeah, that was actually, that was actually before the Chronicle. That was, I was, okay. you know, I have a deal, I have a deal with the volume and that's Colin Coward's network. So I was on his show and we both had heard the arm fatigue thing. And then, yeah, it's, um, I did come out of the gate though. The second column I wrote was about, um, and, and I was making the point that, um, you know, Trey's not the only quarterback who has presented challenges for Kyle. And I, I led with the Jimmy Garoppolo contract signing, which, it, I, yes, which yes. I covered. And then the, the fact that he, he ghosted them. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's, it's weird for me because there've always been fans. And remember, I grew up a fan. I'm still a Cal fan. Like I, you know, uh, I, I, I get it, but there's there's that Cal helmet. Yeah, uh, there's a Rams ham helmet there. Well, too, it's, though, I, I just put that up. It's an American <laughs> underdog signed helmet because I did do Kurt uh -huh. Warner's book. There's Kurt Warner, my SI story. But uh, because Kurt and I, our book got turned into a movie. So I was just rearranging my office and I'm like, you know, they gave me a it's signed by the cast and Kurt. So but yeah, I think 49er fans are probably going to see that in free because I grew up hating the Rams more than any human As in you L.A. Should. Yeah. And by the way, all my L.A. friends gave me crap my whole life about being the only guy in town who rooted for the Bay Area teams. They always lost. They always sucked. The Warriors, I got pummeled for. And one <laughs> of those friends, it turns out, ended up having to coach one of those teams to great heights. So I believe now he has come around and I have won uh, at least on that front. But yeah, you know, the... For me, the 49ers, uh, yeah, I, I, fans are just a little more cultish now, I feel like. And the identity part of it is really weird. Like, if I either report something that is true but threatening to the way the fans see things or, God forbid, opinionated and critical, um, the, there's an imp – I don't think it's every fan, but there's an impulse among many fans to be like, you have hurt the thing I love and I will yes. attack you. And yeah, I just, you know, we don't care who wins, at least the real old school journalists, you know, I'm paid to give opinions. I do know a lot. I definitely know more than most fans would presume that I know. I talk to coaches, owners, GMs, players all around the league all the time. And it's a little world we have. And you know, there are gradations and the Trey Lance thing, we could get into that, but it's a, it's a tricky thing because, and I've tried to be nuanced about it because, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll start. So you don't even have to ask the question. So Trey Lance, <laughs> um, first of all, there's the question of when Kyle traded three ones, was he targeting Trey Lance? There are, there are three scenarios. I think the, the most flattering would be Yes, he had Trey Lance all along. The second most flattering or least unflattering would be he wanted Mac Jones, which I kind of have come to believe or had come to believe. But then he went through the process and 
decided to switch to Trey Lance for some good reasons or not good reasons. But that, but the least flattering to me, which is what is the official version, is they just made that trade so they could get to three, and then they figured it out. I think that would be a reckless, weird, <laughs> someone as smart as Kyle to do, and I, I have a hard time buying it. But if that's what happened, then so be that as it may, why did they pick Trey Lance? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but I think the most glaring ones from what I've been told are he his intelligence they felt was off the charts. Not they all these quarterbacks happen to be smart in that class, but they thought he was crazy smart. Um, so that's a huge uh, you know, positive and gives you a lot of hope. Um, obviously they felt the makeup of the guy. They really liked him as a person. Um, they saw some athleticism and maybe an ability for him to do some things off schedule that a quarterback like Jimmy, you know, isn't able to do. Kyle's obviously seen the Josh Allens and the Patrick Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons um, who can, you know, use their mobility. And I think that enticed them. So all of that was a, a big positive. Um, they clearly have not been uh, won over in the manner that they believed they were going to be. Otherwise, you never bring Jimmy back as a head. You just don't yes. take you don't take that. You don't add that drama. You know, the risk reward is not worth it or the you know, the 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 price of doing that is not worth it unless you need a hedge. Now, it turns out they needed a hedge because of injury and it, it's all going to you know, we're glad they did it. It all works out. But, um, you know, I think the things that I was hearing um, align with the fact that that decision was made in the first place and that, you know, they they basically said, OK, Jimmy's gone. Trey's the guy. He's our guy all offseason. They had him all offseason. Um, you know, there were a couple of times he couldn't throw because the arm, whatever. I don't think that ended up being the biggest issue, but the accuracy was not consistently there. People did see that in training camp and, and in the preseason to some degree. When I was around, I saw it. And um, and so we don't know. And we'll find out possibly next year, although there's no way they go into next season with that as their only plan. There will be some sort of hedge again. There has to be. But, you know, I'm rooting for the kid. He seems like a great kid. I love his accountability. Again, the intelligence is so enticing. And, you know, I believe in Kyle's ability to get the most out of him. So I'm super, like, I would love to tell that story. That would be a, a wonderful thing. But in the meantime, it's obviously uh, Jimmy brought back as a hedge. And now it's gives zero Fs Jimmy, which is kind of a cool thing. Yes. Um, and Can we talk are. about that? Let, yeah. Uh, so there's so much there that you said that I want to react to. When it comes to the hedge thing, I've totally agreed with you from the start. You don't bring a parachute unless you're planning or unless you think you might have to jump out of the plane. And right. clearly, Kyle and John Lynch know the circus that they are starting by keeping Jimmy around, and they did it anyway. So to yeah. me, that much is clear. I don't care what they say. I care about what they do. And right. if if you had reported or if everybody had believed, let me just say that they didn't believe in Trey Lance, they probably wouldn't have done a single thing differently from what they did this offseason. So that tells me clearly it was a hedge. But the zero F's Jimmy, I want to talk about that because I'm fascinated by it. He talked about wanting freedom in the offense. He is throwing the ball deeper down the field now. Apparently, he told Ian Eagle, because Ian mentioned this during the game on Sunday, 
that his relationship with Kyle has taken big steps was his exact words and that they are now speaking the same language. What do you wow. make out of that quote? I'm going to try to dig into that at some point, but yeah, this is what I believe. So I heard some things from afar about Jimmy that suggested that this very early on that, you know, the, the trade they kind of made like, whoa, Bill called, okay, let's do it. And then they, his arm was, they thought his accuracy at his release and the way he threw the ball was so much better than what they expected. And they had those five games. And so they were like, whoa, hey, let's pay him. Well, then, you know, the ghosting, he comes back the next season, he struggles early, he gets hurt trying to run against Kansas City, and now he's out. And then going into 2019, I, I reported, I'm sure some 49er fans will remember, I reported going into 2019, hey, if Jimmy doesn't play well and they're not winning, they might go to Nick Mullins. And, uh, you know, ultimately I was told you're crazy. And look, they started 10-0, and so we'll never know. But you remember he struggled in that opener against Tampa, but they did win. And then obviously he started playing very, very well. But what I was being told, you know, leading into that was he drives Kyle crazy. He doesn't see it the way he wants. He doesn't go through his progressions. He, um, you know, Kyle wants a certain guy who's going to process it and do, do it a certain way. And so I kept hearing Jimmy's a terrible quarterback for Kyle. And then when I got to know Jimmy a little and started hanging around the locker room, I started saying out loud, I think Jimmy, in a way, is a perfect quarterback for Kyle because of his temperament, because Kyle tweaks on the sidelines or gets super, super frustrated. And Jimmy is you know, almost uniquely equipped to just be like, it's cool. Like it he <laughs> doesn't he doesn't dwell. I mean, I'm sure he internalizes some of it, but he's Jimmy's really good about just kind of like, yeah, that, that'll bounce off of me. It's good. And um, so the good parts of Jimmy, which really have resonated with his teammates and made him pretty popular in that locker room, um, you know, in a way are the perfect match for Kyle. And so um, Jimmy now, I mean, <laughs> think about quarterback psyches and how many of them would be equipped to deal with this. They had you, you got to the Super Bowl, you almost won. They clearly made a trade to get rid of you, but they gave you one more year. You rallied with a bad shoulder and thumb and helped them get to the brink of a Super Bowl. And then they said, all right, peace, you're gone. But then somehow you're back as a hedge. Then the guy they tried to replace you with who wasn't setting the world on fire got hurt. And now you're the guy again. I think it's just, it, it's a unique temperament who could kind of be like, all right, cool, man, I'm back. Yeah, let's make our relationship good. I'm going to let it rip, you know? So there is an element of Jimmy that's already like that. But yeah, I do think he is, um, you know, he's seen the abyss and he is like, you need me now. And I think he is a little more willing to assert himself in some ways. And and hopefully if if what he says is, is right and i have no reason to believe it's not maybe that's helping their relationship and and they certainly need each other at least in the short term but like where okay so many questions where was the relationship before this and how could they not speak the same language this is year six together yeah well i you know um i think again um you know 
maybe Kyle, maybe Jimmy frustrated Kyle in some ways in terms of his playing style, but yeah, most, most coaches would be frustrated by a franchise quarterback who they paid like one, at least at the time. And then he's not consistently all over it over the off season. It's just kind of part of the job description. And so I can understand, you know, not just Kyle, but any coach being like, yo, you know, we're, you're the guy and like, you're not returning our texts and whatever. So um, that would lead to some sort of disconnect. And, and look um, from Jimmy's perspective, like, yeah, they flirted with Brady. They tried to get Stafford. They tried to get Rogers. They traded three ones. They took Trey. They told Jimmy goodbye. And yeah, he's back now, like out of necessity. Yeah, Jimmy's kind of like, yeah, we weren't really speaking the same language. You were speaking sayonara, and I was speaking like, <laughs> you know, dude, you're killing me, you know, whatever. But um, you know, they're they Jimmy's handling it like a like a pro. And I think other teams will will notice that and it should increase his marketability uh going into next season. Okay, I have a theory on that too, but I want to. One of the things that I have brought up when your story came out the day Trey Lance gets hurt and you have not one, multiple sources tell you, and technically they didn't say it, whatever, that they are a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo than they were with Trey Lance. I thought that was kind of messed up, not by you, by them. Literally, yeah. for lack of a better expression, the body is not even cold yet with Trey Lance. He hasn't even had surgery yet. And you're telling the media we're better now that didn't sit well with me yeah and and i have talked about this on 95 7 the game where you can hear me every thursday but uh i and i have actually i've actually tried to express this to trey too because i um i should have done a better job in that column first of all of at least accentuating the point more that while there may have been a sense of that by the people expressed by the people I talked to, hey, I think right now we're probably better with Jimmy. Everybody I talked to, player, coach, was prefacing that with, dude, I feel so bad for Trey. This really sucks. So I did, you know, it came off a little more dancing on his grave than it probably <laughs> should have. So that's my bad as a columnist. I should have, I did, I do think if you read the column, I did that, but I should have pounded that home more and I probably should have uh, pushed back on the headline a little bit more, but that's whatever. That's how the sausage is made. But um, I will say this. Um, it is, it has been expressed to me since then that it feels like there's less pressure in the building now that this has happened. And again, nothing a, right. You know, no, no slight to Trey, but they were, they were managing a situation where it's like, ah, we're throwing him in. We're not sure he's ready. Everyone's scrutinizing. Jimmy's here hovering. Are we going to make a change? How's this going to go? We're losing yep. the Bears. You know, once it was like, oh, okay, Jimmy's back, and now like it did relieve a lot of the pressure. But, um, you know, I, I just think. Yeah, it is messed up that that was expressed to me in that moment. Although, again, it was expressed with, I think, you know, some sensitivity too. And maybe that's on me to to hammer that home a little bit. But I also think, you know, these guys work so hard and are so single-mindedly focused on trying to do something epic together that fans all want, but 
when you're in it and it's that meaningful and it's that important and you know you know it's looking better right now one way than another way it's it's kind of not personal it's like okay jimmy came in and it just looked better it feels better you know maybe trail end up being the guy but right now for us with our window possibly closing this might be a better thing for our team right now so I would just say, you know, to those people, to Trey, I've expressed how I feel. To people beyond Trey who might still be offended by it, I would say thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Stay strong. And it's Blocktober for a reason, right? Yes, right. Uh, what was Trey's response when you had that conversation? Well, it's kind of weird because I had emailed him something and I don't know that he saw the email. It was through a third party. So, but I he, he responded... Trey's great. He was like, very, you know, thank you. And, you know, like, Trey, I've had nothing but great interactions with Trey. I'd like to get to know him more. But, um, you know, I can't say enough about the guy, the way that he tries to take accountability, that he tries to, he, he tried to take some of other people's mistakes on himself. You know, the lion looked really crappy in houston and trey went up there and was like that's on me to get rid of the ball quicker you know he, he really is um publicly everything you would want from a guy in that position which is another reason why i'm rooting for him. unlike jimmy garoppolo who almost never takes personal accountability we'll, at the podium. we'll see this this is interesting because i covered joe and steve for six years by the way and that's a whole separate episode people think this stuff is like people have no idea the yeah. insanity that <laughs> happened for six years and i'm still you know very close with both of them somehow and uh you know i i know a lot but one thing that struck us back in the day and ann kelly and i were on the beat together among other people but you know they were so different after games and steve in fairness was so hyper scrutinized because he wasn't joe and hadn't won yet that i understand it to some degree but Joe was um, unbelievably like accountable and also very analytical in the way he would break stuff down. Steve was more like an artist who just didn't really know what had happened, but also <laughs> wasn't taking like, you know, was a little defensive about it, which which I understand because he was put in that position in, in a in a heavy way that people today I don't think could understand. Joe took a city that had never won anything any major professional sports championship ever in any sport san francisco and turned it into the magical place where the greatest you know at the time <laughs> football dynasty that had ever happened you know existed so he was loved on a level that nobody you know i mean steph is the only thing close but you know the, it's even more it just san francisco was nothing ever it was just a heartbreak town sports wise and then steve who was such a different playing style who was there with him for six years just could never be good enough until he threw six touchdowns in the super bowl but um you know joe was like a golfer after games you know he would he could you know how golfers it's like brutal as a journalist but it's like and eh, 15 i hit driver got to about 150 to seven like joe could literally be like yeah because you know joe would be like 23 for 28 um three touchdowns no interceptions 289 yards and we'd be like was that like a perfect game and he'd be like no like on that third and eight with 
six minutes to go in the third quarter where I checked it down to Roger and he got the first down, I could have had JT on the backside. We're like, whoa. So hypercritical and hyper aware. Steve, it would just be like, uh, I, I don't know. I made a play. I just, I, I, I you know, I, I, ran, I, I got it to him. And um, so, yeah, I, but yes, Trey is very, very, uh, very uh, so far uh, hypercritical and owns it. And Jimmy, um, from what I've told, because I haven't been around him post game as much, has not been as much that way. No, he never does. It's always, we didn't do this. This didn't happen. We couldn't move. It's so frustrating, especially when Trey gets up there 22 years old and says all the things you want to hear. That's just, look, there's a lot of built up Jimmy Garoppolo stress that is coming out in this, in this interview. Um, I love it. It's, it's just unbelievable. Cause I feel like we're on this carousel. Here's what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo beat the Rams, which they always do. Jimmy plays well against a bad team like the Panthers. And everyone's like, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, look at his record with the 49ers and everything. He's great. And then they play a team with a real quarterback that causes him to have to step up and make plays and not just rely on the running game. And he doesn't look as good. And then everybody starts to get on him again. And then we just go back on this cycle until the next time they play the Rams. Oh, I mean, if Jaquiski Tart catches the ball, we probably have a second Jimmy Super Bowl in three seasons. And we don't know what's going to happen between him and Joe Burrow and how that's going to play out. Maybe. Uh, there was nine um, and a half minutes left in the game. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I was there. I feel like probably, but who knows? And then similarly, and I know he missed Kittle in the Super Bowl and he later missed Sanders, but similarly, if they don't blow coverage and when they're playing thirds on the third and 8,000 that Mahomes with Buckner hitting him unleashes the ball to Tyree kill and turns the game around. Um, he might be a Super Bowl champion, by the way, if my aunt had balls, she would in fact be my uncle. So I want to also note that, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, sometimes these football is so tip ball, bad call dependent, not just on a game or a career, but a legacy. So like, I try to be careful with this. Like, for example, I mean, no one crushed the Patriots more after the deflated ball stuff and the, <laughs> the uh, you know, the spy camera stuff. I don't use gate because I remember actual Watergate. But, uh, you know, I, I clearly would crush Bill and them for that all day. But I remember at one point people were saying, <laughs> you know, Bill Belichick and the Patriots haven't won a Super Bowl since the spy scandal. And I'm like, so David Tyree catches the ball like this, <laughs> you know, and they lose that one. And then Mario Manningham goes and makes that insane catch, you know, yep. four years later and they lose that one. It's like, you know, it's really a weird thing to say. So it's, it's like saying you can't win the big one with Jimmy. No, you can they haven't. He's not as good as Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, you know, and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you know, and some others. But he's definitely better than Baker and better than some of these guys who are trying to get out there. He's better than Nick Mullins. And, uh, you know. Boy, that's a be, low bar. Yeah, no, but I mean, he may be um, – he they may be able to get a little more out of him. I mean, the ball's coming out great. What he did last year, he had a 
shoulder that needed to be surgically repaired and a thumb that was causing him serious pain on every throw. So you can't question his toughness, but I, you know, I don't know. I, and, and one thing I think Kyle would uh, stick to is that when you put it all on the quarterback or a lot of it on the quarterback, it makes it very, very hard when the games tighten up in the postseason. And, the Packers would be a prime example lately. He's so good and he does so much, but when he has to do that in a amplified, crazy context, like the playoffs, you know, three or four times, it's asking a lot. Brady has been able to do that freakishly, but for the most part, you want, you'd rather have a team with a bunch of dudes and um, the Niners, I would argue have more elite dudes um, at important positions than any team in the league. And we can quibble about what their quarterback is or where it ranks. But, you know, you're talking about, I'm, I'm saying they have one of the best three or four guys at the position at the following positions, left tackle, tight end, fullback, which is an afterthought for most teams, but it's huge for them. Um, now corner, shut down corner because Charverius Ward is 100 two linebackers uh uh edge rusher um and you they got a heck of a lot of good players you know like Hufanga Armstead you know and 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 certainly others who you go well those guys are pretty darn good oh and then Debo which is a you know so yeah and, you know, and if you tell me Ayuk's your number two receiver, that's pretty, you know, high up there, too. So they've got a lot of dudes. It doesn't have to be quarterback um, centric, but, you know, obviously the quarterback's got to be able to to do stuff. And people do notice when, OK, it's down to the end and the quarterback has to do it. And, oh, Aaron Donald's in his face and it didn't get done. Same thing happened to Joe Burrow, by the way. But, yeah, um, I understand why people are frustrated with Jimmy, but. Um, they should be more frustrated right now that the succession plan seems to have been, I don't know if botched is the right word because it's early, but they miscalculated. Oh, no. And, it's and so, and so, yeah, well, I mean, maybe Trey Lance, you know, he's 22. Maybe he comes back and, and ends up being a guy. But if you're trying to win now, it was a bad succession plan. Right. That's, that's what I don't understand. And I, I know you have to go and I, I could, I, I got a little time. I, I'm okay. I'm going to okay. push back my other thing. Well, I'm going to do it. That's what I like to hear. While we talk, I'm going to do it. This is my frustration because everyone says the Niners are in the Super Bowl window now. You know, you, you they got to go with Jimmy because it's a Super Bowl window now. And if you want to make that argument, fine. But then why would they draft the quarterback with the least amount of college experience that needs right. the most amount of development that those two things don't mesh together. Well, and if you want to go further on it, because I, you know, fans like to bring this up because I believe he, he made the trade with Mac in mind and he's allowed to change his mind. Um, if that's in fact what happened, but um, yeah. Do you, I, uh, why would you, talk yourself out of that conviction. Um, and I hope that the answer is he just was so enamored with Trey's potential during the process that it overrode everything. But I think the impulse was right. The impulse was let's get Stafford. We can win now. Yes. Um, and then it was, let's get Rogers. We'll kill everyone now, which they would have. <laughs> and, 
And those impulses were right. And by the way, even after they made the trade for the three ones, they were trying to get Rogers, which is right. And then it was, okay, we can keep Jimmy for a year and this guy will be ready. Well, he, you know, he really hadn't played very much in college. He hadn't shown accuracy, um, NFL accuracy in college. By the way, I got to, because I've been talking to a lot of other, excuse me, GMs lately. And uh, I, I'm starting to, I, I'm going to have to put this in print at some point, but uh, the, I would never have drafted Trey Lance is the new, I was right about to draft Russell Wilson, but the Seahawks <laughs> came up and took right. it because I used to be like, if I had a hundred bucks for every personnel executive coach um, or owner who told me we were taking him like for sure. And like three picks later, <laughs> yep. you know, for 10 years, I heard that someone else was about to take Russell Wilson. And I'm always like, well, John Schneider and Pete Carroll did. So that distinguishes them. So yeah, now the new, you know, and, and I'm sure in some cases it's true. And in some cases it's now exaggerated, but there's a whole lot of, Oh my God, Trey Lance! I would, no way would we have taken that guy anywhere that's you know, high in the first round. That's yeah, absurd. I, so, yeah. So I, again, and and I I don't like when people say they could have stayed at twelve and gotten. You know, we we don't know. I do know that um, it's a. If you like a guy that much, don't screw around. Yep. So if you like Mac. And you don't, and you maybe we could get him at 12. We don't know, but we definitely like him that much. Then just get him at three and, and don't, and block out the noise of, oh, you could have had him later. You didn't need to trade three ones. And I also have some advice for the 49ers, and I'll probably put this in print at some point too. It's the same advice I have for the Dolphins with Tua going into the season. This is my advice. Um, every time you look at Tua, you see, not Justin Herbert and it drives you insane and it should you could have taken Justin Herbert and you took Tua and that was not knowing what we know now you screwed up but you just can't look at it like that or it drives you crazy so instead of looking at not Justin Herbert get over it and just see Tua and maybe you can do something with Tua and now that you have Mike McDaniel who is not only great schematically but is unfailingly positive when it comes to players one of the many many things i love about him um you have a chance and so until something else happened that would be a whole podcast episode that was going amazingly um and i think we all know what that other thing is and it's a whole other subject um but same advice for the 49ers going forward when you look and fans too when you look at Trey Lance, don't see three ones could have stayed, maybe gotten Mac later. You know, just don't see that. Just go, we have Trey Lance. He's a promising quarterback. He got hurt. We have Jimmy now. Next year, Trey Lance is going to have a chance to seize that job and grow into being, you know, someone really, really good or not. And there will be another option next year. I, I doubt it'll be Jimmy. It them wanting it to be Jimmy would be a great problem to have because it would mean they probably won the whole thing. And by the way, th then Jimmy will have all the power and it'll be hilarious to watch. But uh, more likely than not, it'll be a you know, Matt people freak out if I say Matt Ryan, but uh, there'll be another option other than Trey Lance going into next season, you know, with the hope that Trey seizes it. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to, to finish up is if the Niners make a deep run, if they win a Super Bowl, that kind of 
changes the whole equation. But let's say a problem to have. Yes, Great exactly. Have. And that's yeah. what I have said. I'm not going to worry that my team might win a Super Bowl. That's absurd. Yeah, it's kind of like the Rams right now are like, man, we are a mess. Our line sucks. <laughs> right. We're two and three. Maybe we went two all in. Oh, well. Hey, that's a killer ring. Whoa. I right. Can't, you know, yeah. So they, there's no regrets there. Of course not. But let's say they win a playoff game, win a couple playoff games, maybe get back to the NFC title game. You can't, it becomes even harder to turn things over to Trey Lance because Jimmy has a whole other year of credibility and equity with those veterans in that locker room. I have said, I think Jimmy's back next year. You're shaking yeah, your head. I don't think so. I mean, if Jimmy's back next year, they, they have rings in my opinion. And that's not just because of them. That's Jimmy too. I think Jimmy's like, I mean, he got his freedom. You know, they can't franchise him. So right. I wrote a power where I started out by quoting uh, one of my favorite early 2000s uh, rap tunes called Money, Power, Respect. Uh, and, uh, wow. you know, uh, Lil' Kim, it's kind of a profane rant. But, uh, you know, Jimmy got the money. And now, if he plays well and things go really well, he will have the power for the first time. And then maybe, perhaps then, he will be respected. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, but do you, I think he wants to stay. I mean, he talked about, I don't like to ruffle feathers. I'm comfortable here. That wouldn't change, right? He knows the system. If, if things go well again, if he has another year like last year, you don't think that he sticks around unless they win a title. I think the combination of what he wants and what they want will not align so that he's, I mean, first of all, they'd have to grovel a little to keep him. He's going to be free. So you know, even more than that, the whole timeline thing, the way they've structured every contract, except Kittle, who broke the code, the way they structure every contract, including Jimmy's, was, well, we don't have to decide till 10 days after the league year, so yep. we can try to replace you. And then if we strike <laughs> out, then we'll pick it up. Um, and in Jimmy's case, it was even later this year because of the structure. It was August 30th or, you know, right the day before the opener, they could have blooded out. Uh, now, Jimmy is free at the start of the league year. So if they really want him, but he's got other options, which I think if they really want him, he also would because things will have gone really well. Then Jimmy can be like, yeah, I'm really thinking about coming back. I'll let you guys know pretty soon. And then the other options start to go off the board for the Niners. And Jimmy's yep. like day two, I still haven't decided. So it could be a, a real turnaround. But I think, again, that would be a Super Bowl problem. And that's something everyone, including Jed York, would be willing to deal with. And more likely, they don't win the Super Bowl or he doesn't play great and they don't win the Super Bowl or he gets hurt, you know, I mean, more likely um, they did what they did this year and he's gone and they're trying to make Trey the guy, but they're also coming up with another plan um, to go along with that because I don't think you can responsibly, not just because he's coming off the injury, but just based on what you've seen, I don't think you can go, all right, all in Trey next year. And, you know, now there is one little uh, caveat there. They do like Brock Purdy more than anyone oh, God. realizes. What? He was the last. Come on. He Again, stop seeing Mr. Irrelevant. Just see. Uh, just I see, see a, a guy, guy that he's got no arm. He's got no 
arm. I don't know. He threaded that ball in the in the preseason games. Like the, I mean, he made some bad throws too, but he put a couple over linebackers between you know two other DBs. Uh, yeah, I, you know he played a lot of football, so in a way he's the anti Trey Lance. He yes, he started for four years at a at a real program. <laughs> Not, I, I don't want to. I don't want to kill. The, I mean, at a non too late non-fcs program and i said the same stuff about carson Wentz. i'm you know coming out it doesn't mean the quarterback can't be really good it just it's a it's a lot um you know it's a big leap and when you only played 17 games and never let a two-minute drive um it's even harder to extrapolate and you know all of which makes me root for trey to end up being awesome because it's just it's a cool story I would love to see it. I mean, he has gone, it'll be way more now, but at the time going into that Seattle game, he had gone over a thousand days without starting and finishing two consecutive weeks, which is just like, he has not played. Yeah. And you know, there was a pandemic, so that killed him, you know, along with literally killing, you know, a million Americans. So I don't want to, I don't want to take that out of context, but yeah, that, you know, it was a weird set of circumstances for sure. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you giving me so much of your time. I could keep you all day, but I won't. But thank you very much. You can get more of Mike Silver at the San Francisco Chronicle, Bally Sports, the volume. You're everywhere. And thank you for being here with us. All right. Thanks for having me. And if I am hated by any people, I would just say, um, you know, it's all about the love. 